The parable of the sower begins with the sower. It does not begin with the ground in which the seed falls on. So it begins with the sower. The seed is planted by God. God sends the sower. The sower sends the seed. We do not decide what kind of seed that is being planted or where the seed is being planted. It's, it's all God. God makes that decision. What kind of ground does the seed fall on? Is that even our choice? In Mark chapter 4, same parable. This is what the Lord asked. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Listen, what is being sown? We were living in a society where we are very visually oriented. We are online, we see things, and we hear things. But mainly it's because of what we hear that causes us to be captivated. But the Lord says, listen, because the seed is not something you see. The seed is something you hear. The seed is the word. The seed of God is the word. In Mark chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus says, the sower sows the word. So if you think about it, Jesus' ministry is to tell you the kingdom. The faculty that you need are ears to hear. That's the most important thing. Not eyes to see, but ear to hear. So he said, hearken, listen, behold, there went out a sower to sow. When you think about it, when someone say, behold, a sower went out to sow, you're going to use your eyes to look at the sower. But the Lord says, listen, it's not the act of sowing. It's what's being sowed. And what's being sowed is the word of God. And the word of God is not something you read. The word of God is something you understand. And to understand something, it means to listen and submit under it. The word understand is a compound of two words. Under and stand. It means you stand under a teaching. That's what it means to understand. Understand is you submit yourself under a teaching. So if you don't understand the word because there's no authority over you, if you don't understand anything because you don't submit yourself to learning from someone who has the authority, the modern rejection of authority and history, meaning the Enlightenment period, and it starts with the Cartesian Revolution when René Descartes questioned the nature of reality. That started, even though he was a Christian, but that started a revolution in which everyone questioned everything. Well, let me tell you something. It's not new. People questioning authority is not new. If you want to read about someone who questions the church and authority, read Voltaire. But it's not new. This questioning of authority is not new, and we've passed that. We went to now the postmodern period where we accept everything and nothing is true, nothing is real. And everyone is right and no one is right. We went from questioning authority to mass confusion. And now you have problems teaching your kids. There's no governing structure. There's no authority. They don't stand under an authority. They don't learn. They, they don't understand because they don't stand under an authority of teaching. The Lord Jesus brought together the disciples and they were under his teaching. They listened to his word even though they didn't understand, but they stood under his teaching. And so they understand by the nature of them submitting to the Lord. And the word that is spoken here is spoken to a selected group of people. Let's go back to verse 11. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So the question of understanding God's word is not because we have the Bible and we understand God's word. 
the understanding of God's word is the authority of God's given to us. There are the groups that didn't understand, and then there are groups that stood under the teaching of Jesus. And he is telling the people in verse 11, and he said unto them, meaning unto his disciples in verse 10, and the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou them in parable? Why do you speak to them in parables? And you read on, you say, he did not teach them any other way than the parables. And then he explains to them, because there are two groups of people out there. There are a group of people who never understand because it is not given to them to understand. And then there are the group that God has chosen for them to stand under the teaching of the Holy Spirit, and they will understand. You don't choose. We don't get to choose who gets to understand and who don't. We don't get to choose whether we understand or not. It is God that does the choosing. Whether you understand the Scripture or not, it is because God has given the grace for you to stand under the teaching of the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure that we understand the Scripture here. And in verse 12, For whosoever hath to him shall be given. It's not because you're lacking, God will give it to you. And he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. God is not here to make sure everybody is equal. I hope you understand that by now. God is not in the equality business. God is sovereign. He gives to whomever he chooses. You need to get over that. Okay? You cannot occupy the church. It does not happen. We don't, we don't have this, this bottom-up authority. We have God as the king, and he decides who he's going to give blessing and who will not receive blessing. He said, for those who have been given, and in verse 13, therefore I speak to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. What Jesus is telling us is, look, these parables, if you don't understand, it has not been given to you to stand under the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Now, if God has given you the grace to stand under the teaching of the Holy Spirit, then you would understand because Jesus would explain it. Ignorance is dangerous. If you put someone behind the wheel of a car and they have not been instructed how to operate the car, it is very dangerous, not only to them, but to the rest of the people who are in traffic. Ignorance is dangerous. We need to learn. This is given to us as human beings, creatures, to learn. Some people spend a lot of time learning lots of things. You are given something that is technically challenged. You would spend the time, study, and read, and practice. If you want to be a doctor, you go and sit under the teaching of some institution that would teach you. You want to do biology. You want to do history. There are a lot of things to study, except for one thing. When we talk about spiritual things, I know everything. I don't need anybody to teach me. I got the Bible. I can read it. There's something that's missing. There's something wrong with this philosophy. We think that we can open the Bible and we can, t we can teach ourselves. The word is clear. The word is not clear. The word is only clear to those who are submitting under the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you this. Can you understand the Holy Spirit? Does anyone understand the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit speaks to you directly, do you understand? No, we don't understand. God used a human voice, language, this word, if it's in Greek, only Dan can read it. I can't read it. But thank God it's in English. And your Bible is in a, a, a language that you understand. Well, where does it come from? It's a human language. It's through translation that we understand. And so for us to actually understand the text, we need to understand the language. And where does that come from? It comes from the institution that has been set up so that the teachers language, words that we understand. And yet, we think that we can understand spiritual things on our own. 
It's ludicrous. We go to school to learn all other things, and yet when it comes to the Scripture and the Bible, we think that we are beyond the teaching of the church and the teaching of the apostles. Ignorance is dangerous. Verse 19, he said, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not. You see, when you don't understand something, you don't know you don't understand it. When you have a wrong concept of something, you don't know that you didn't understand it. Until someone says, wait a minute, that's not right. But no, 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 I, I read that, I, I get it, I understand. Be careful, ignorance is dangerous. Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth the seed by the wayside. When you hear the word, even the word that is spoken to you today, and you go away thinking, I got it, be careful. Did you really understand it? Because if you don't understand it, that word that's preached to you will be snatched up by the devil and it won't be there. The word is near you. The accessibility to the word of God today is unlike any time in history before. You have expositions, books, literature. There are so many commentaries on it. But we don't read them, do we? We read it and we say, yep, I got it. I understand it. No problem. People have labored over centuries over this text. And they teach us, and yet we say, we got it, we understand it. We understand all these. We don't need to be taught. Ignorant is dangerous. The word is nearer to us now than ever before, and yet we become more and more ignorant of it because we don't submit under the authority of the teaching. There's no history of where the interpretation of this word come from. Your interpretation of this word, this text, where does it come from? Does it come from your head? Does it come from the Holy Spirit, which you don't understand? Or does it come from the apostles who took it, who got the interpretation from the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we have a history of interpretation? But wait a minute, we're postmodern, we're modern. We reject authority, we reject history, we reject tradition. So we have nothing to stand on. We have no Christ, no apostle, no disciples, no church history. There's nothing for us to stand on. Ignorance is dangerous. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people, and yet they didn't understand. They heard him. They walked with him. The 12 disciples ate and slept with him, and when he spoke to them, they didn't get it. Peter said, no, 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 Lord, you don't go to the cross. That's, no. Human sentiment overrides what the Lord is saying. And in the end, one of the 11 totally didn't get it. They were with Jesus. They heard everything he said. The words they understood, the language they understood, the person they saw, yet they did not understand because it was not given to Judas Iscariot to understand the gospel. Is it given to you and I to understand? That is something we need to take up with the Lord. It's not given to us to understand. Even the word was with them, they could not understand. Therefore, Jesus could have spoken to them plainly, but he did not. He spoke to them in parables because there are some not given the grace to understand. Now you say, well, that's not fair. And again, I will answer you. God is not in the business of making everything fair. We don't deserve any of these things. Then came the wicked one. The Son of God has been given to the world, yet there is no knowledge of God without grace. The Son of God walked this world, but people did not comprehend it. Remember in John 1, they did not accept it. They reject the word of God. That's our human nature. And the wicked one in here says, or in other passage says, the devil came and snatched it away. Think about it this way. The word of God is given to you. You walk by the church, or maybe you come into the church, and you hear the word is spoken, or maybe you're online, you hear the word, and then you say, well, okay, 
I got it. I got it. And you put it on the side because you're busy. And some of you might be busy playing games. Some, some of you might be busy in your thoughts about something else. You're busy. So you put the word on the side. When you hear the word and you put it on the side, what happens is the devil comes by and snatch it away. It has no place in you. You will lose it because you don't understand it. When you understand that this is treasure, when you understand that this is life, when you understand this, we transform you into and renew your mind into the likeness of Jesus Christ, then you will hold on to it. You don't leave it to the side. But how many of us spend time in the scripture and hold it close in our lives? The devil comes and snapped it up. There's no knowledge. In Luke chapter 8, the same parable, those by the wayside are they which hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their heart. Now, listen to this. When it says, taketh away the word out of their heart, yes, you have received it. You receive the word and it is in your heart. The wayside is your heart. That's what your heart is like. If you cannot hold on to something that's most precious, then nothing in your life is valuable. Your heart is a wayside. Your heart is the sidewalk. There's nothing valuable there. The foundation in which you build your life is worthless. The devil can come and go and take whatever he wants, even your most treasured possession, because your heart cannot discern the spiritual from the carnal. And you mix the spiritual with the carnal, and therefore your heart is like the wayside. It cannot hold anything from the devil, and the devil will come and snatch it away from you. Lest they should be believed and be saved. This is important. Because this parable is talking about your salvation. It is not talking about your Christian life. This parable is talking about your salvation, your and my salvation. This is the essential part of our Christian doctrine and history. If you listen to the word of God and your heart is like the wayside or the sidewalk, then you do not have salvation. The devil will come and snatch it away. There's no spiritual life in you. There's no salvation in you. Lest they should be believed and be saved. The understanding of the gospel is fundamental. It is critical, essential for your salvation. If you don't understand the gospel, then question your salvation. Because without the gospel, there is no understanding of how you are being saved. Now you said, but I've been baptized. I will tell you again, baptism does not save you. God saves you. Salvation comes from God. The mystery of the kingdom are given to those who fear the Lord. The psalmist says, God shows them his covenant with an intent that he will keep his covenant. Not with you. God does not keep a covenant with you. You know why God does not keep a covenant with you? Because we are covenant breakers. Through Adam, we break covenants. When we make covenant, when we promise people anything, even in marriage, we don't keep our covenants, do we? We can't. That's our human nature. So what God did is he made a covenant with himself. Where you said, well, didn't he make a covenant of faith with Abraham? But listen, when God made a covenant of Abraham, what happened to Abraham? When the time to come and actually bind that covenant, God puts Abraham to sleep. He was sleeping when God sealed that covenant and he walked through amidst the sacrifice himself. He's making the covenant and keeping the covenant with himself. But God is a Trinitarian God, and this is why it is important. You know, some people don't take theology and doctrine important because these are the fundamentals so you understand what is going on here. You see, the Jews understand this. But Christians, sometimes we lack the fundamental understanding. We don't have the mathematics. We don't have the philosophy to connect these things. When God makes a covenant with himself, you have to ask, well, who is he making covenant with? 
Because God is the Trinitarian God, He is making covenant with one of the person in the Trinity. And who is that person in the Trinity in which God made a covenant in the Old Testament? It has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord was in the Old Testament. And in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, now we see God in two persons. God the Father and God the Son incarnate. And Jesus Christ kept the covenant of God. You said, well, this, this is a little extra. But the preaching of the gospel without Jesus Christ is meaningless. You need to understand what God is doing here. God is making a covenant with Jesus Christ. And on that cross, when Jesus says, it is finished, he has kept the covenant of God perfectly for us. That's how it worked. That's how salvation worked. God made a covenant with Adam. Adam broke it because Adam ate the fruit. God then made a covenant with himself, meaning with God, incarnate in Jesus Christ. Jesus kept it until the day that he died. The covenant was not broken. And now, how do you become inheritance of the covenant that God made with Jesus Christ? By believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Through faith alone, you are saved. Not because you understand this. But through faith and through faith, you stand under the authority of Jesus Christ. And he teaches you and you understand because you are his, not because you understand. Do you get that? You are under Christ's authority and therefore he teaches you. And if God teaches you, you will understand. But if God doesn't teach you, you won't understand anything. The people who cannot understand, it is because it's not given to them to understand. Number two, internal and external struggles. Your spiritual battle has two fronts. There's an internal one and then there's an external one. If you are not prepared internally to face the giant, then externally Goliath will slay you. David spent many years in isolation. He was looking over his flock. He tested out. He did not fight with any men, but he fought with the beast, the lion and the bear. He trained himself to know how to struggle and fight the internal battles. So that when the external battle came in the valley of Elah, he's now prepared to face the external enemy. Let's look at verse 20 and 21. This is your internal battle. But he that receiveth the seed in stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended. The second person is someone who has no discipline, who has no spiritual and physical discipline in their lives, no cognitive discipline to be able to hold on to the word. Now again, it is not your power, not by might or by power, but by his spirit. Now you have a good heart. When you hear the gospel, you understand that this message has the power to save. Now, some of you listen to this message and think that this has no power to save you. Your heart is like the wayside. But for those who say, yes, this has the power to save me, you have received it. And not only receive it, but you are rejoicing because, my God, this word can save me. So you receive this word with joy. Like the word said, he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that hears the word and anon with joy immediately with joy receive it. You're glad you have it. Like those who heard the gospel for the first time and they say, this word is salvation to my soul and receive it. But of course, there's a problem. The heart has not been cultivated to receive the word. Receive the seed into stony places. It has not been prepared. Take your tent and go out there and pitch your tent and try to sleep the first night. What you discover is those little pebbles on the, on the ground that you did not clear out is going to give you grief throughout the night. You cannot sleep. It's going to cause you irritation and a lot of back pain. So 
what you usually do is you try to clear out the ground before you set your tent on there so that the, the ground is smooth. In a similar fashion, when you receive something that is precious to you and that you're going to, to live with it for a long time, if you don't prepare your ground and your ground is stony, the word will become an irritation for you. And that's exactly what the Lord says here. For when the tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, where does that persecution come from? Not from outside, but from what you have received. That irritation is from the word that you receive, not from anyone. What happened? He is offended. This word that he so happy to receive, this same word caused him to be offended. The same word caused It's an internal struggle they never overcame. This is the problem with many Christians. They think they understand, but then when they come to a difficult passage, they throw the book out and say, God doesn't make sense. Their heart is stony. The ground has not been prepared. Stony places are uncultivated regions of your life. Look at your life. The treasures are stored in safe places where they can easily be accessed. Unlike the ignorant hearer, these understand the word and receive it with joy. Yeah, they understand it. And yet the word is not kept in a secret place of their heart, but they're thrown on the rocks and they get scorched by the sun. We are offended by the word that's spoken to us. Jesus was crucified because of what he said. The high priest says, what further need do we need to hear from this man? When Jesus says, I am the son of man at the right hand of God. And they said, he's worthy to die because of what he said. Now think about it. That same word that Jesus says, now you're receiving it. What you're receiving is Jesus is the son of man. Jesus is God. Jesus is at the right hand of God. That word comes into your heart. And if your heart is not prepared to receive that word, then that word will offend you, just like it offended the Pharisees, the high priests, the scribes, and the people that were with Jesus. That word would turn around and cause you to be offended. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended in me. When the word comes and you receive it because you didn't understand it, but after a while, that understanding becomes a snare to you, or that lack of understanding becomes a snare to you. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that being rooted and grounded in love. Understanding in word is the practical understanding of the word. What do I mean by this? It means that when the word is instructs us to do something, we need to do it. That's what it means to be rooted. Because superficial hearing and understanding by nodding of your head brings no reality to having roots in Christ. We need to do the work of God. Now, the work does not save you. Again, you know, Luther would turn over in his grave, and if he thinks that I'm preaching, uh, salvation by works. The foundation in which a Christian life is built up is built on the work. John says some lovely words, but love with deeds, the things that you hear from the Lord, if you understand and do it. Imagine the disciples, he sent them out in Paris and they said, yeah, we, we understand what you're saying. That's, that's good. And they just stood there. They did not obey following his order. The, the gospel will never get evangelized. We will never get saved. Disciples heard the word and then they performed. They went out and did it. They obeyed him. The Apostle Paul says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, meaning you understand and you receive his word and you believe his word to be true, being rooted and grounded in love. We do this because we love, we want people to come to the salvation. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Know the love of Christ, which has this knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The understanding of the scripture of the word of God means that 
our life is conformed by this word to be shaped by him to become instruments in which we perform what the word says that we should do and we believe and we obey. The external battle, no fruit. In verse 22, he also that receiveth seed, received seed from the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. You may have the strength to overcome the discomfort. Uh, you may struggle with, with the Bible. And in the end, you surrender and you say, God, you, you teach me. You know, I don't understand it now, but I yield myself to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. That might be the case. But here's the, the problem with us. We haven't overcome the external battle. He also received the seed among thorns. This talks about your surrounding, your environment. Who you spend time with either builds your faith or foster the growing of the word in your life, or it will choke out the life from you. What do you spend time with? Who do you spend time with? In the garden, when Eve was talking to that old dragon, in verse 6 of Genesis 3, and when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eye, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and eat, and gave it to her husband with her, and he did eat. Eve was hanging out with the devil. Eve was hanging out with the wrong group of people. Instead of hanging out with God, she was out there hanging out talking to the serpent. Who are you hanging out with? What are the shrubs and the thorns that are covering your life? You're hanging out with people who speak lies to you. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Be aware of your surrounding. You might have a good ground where the seed is planted and maybe it has roots, but it can't grow because you are under the shrubs, you are under the thorns. The devil has a hold on you. You can't grow. It choked the word. The son of God saw the daughter of men. We saw this in the history of mankind. The eyes would look at it. Eve looked at the fruit, and after a while, she wants it. Samson wanted Delilah. Get her for me. Why? Because she pleased my eyes. She was pleased for me to look on. Be careful what you see. Jesus says, listen. Listen. David saw Bathsheba. On the rooftop. The church is the place and should be the place where we hang around. The people of God should be the people in whom we should hang around. Throughout this COVID time, we migrated online on the weekdays. There's a platform where you can come and you can talk and you can chat and you can participate in conversations that builds your faith. We have classes, we have opportunities for every one of us to participate. Where are you? Where are you? Listen and understand. Last verse, 23. But he that receiveth the seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. It takes time. When you plant something, it takes time. It doesn't grow immediately. Now, if you hear the word of God, and then certainly there is fruit, um, that could be the work of God, but I would say, uh, be careful. It takes time. It takes time because time tests your faith. You see, when you ask for something and you don't receive it, you need to exercise your faith. Is God true? Is God honest when he promised me? That tests your faith. Time is what will test your heart. The Apostle Paul says, I planted, Apollo watered, but God gives the increase. No one controls God. God is in all authority. He makes you grow. We cannot make ourselves grow. He makes us grow. So it takes time. The good ground is the ground that does not afraid of taking time to allow 
God to work in your life. And God will take as much time as he will need. Or he doesn't need any time, but we would need. Patient is the product of faith. Without it, you cannot come to God. Secondly, the good ground. Do we have a good place for the word of God to grow? Is there a place in your heart for the word to grow? Is there a section of your life where you are devoted to the study of the word of God? Is there a time, a portion in your, t- in your day, in your life, that you section out and said, this is the time for me to study the word of God? Is there one? If there isn't one, we need to find one. Because without it, there is no good ground for the word to go. Time is that ground in your life. We need to section out a time in our, in our life so that the word can be grounded and the Holy Spirit bring out the understanding of the revelation. Humility, submitting under the Holy Spirit is key. If you don't submit under authority and you think that you can interpret this on your own, you're wrong. If you don't submit to the teaching and the authority of the church, you're wrong. You cannot grow. There's, there's no history. You cannot read this and come to an understanding on your own. The perspicuity of the scripture, it is given to those who God has given the authority and the charge to understand and then transmit it to the church. You have men and women and saints who have been trained in the theological field. They spent their lives studying philosophy and theology and doctrine. And yet we can disregard, we are so easy to disregard all that and say, we don't need it, I can just read it and understand and then preach the gospel. It's dangerous. It's haughty, it's prideful, it's dangerous. And the gospel that you preach does not connect to Jesus. We need to come under the teaching and the submission of the word of God. There are four things that the church started out with. The first thing is the studying of the doctrine of the apostles. That was the first thing. They get together and they study doctrine. Lastly, the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit, by the doctrine and the theology of the disciple and the apostles from the church, will bring out those things that the Lord Jesus Christ to your memory, to your remembrance and that you will understand and have life, and then you will become fruitful. Then what you will say is not from you, but it's from the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you have begun in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would come to you in humility, to look at the Word, to look at the Gospel, to look at the biblical text in the lens of a student, to come to you and say, God, would you teach us? Would you give us the heart of humility to stand under the authority and the teaching of your Holy Spirit and the the apostles' teaching throughout the church age. And I pray, Lord, as we uh, gather ourselves together, I I pray that this church will be known as a church that devotes itself in the study of the scripture, that we will be like the Bereans who listen, and then we will search the scripture and see those things are true. Uh, Give us the the love and give us the the heart to spend times in, in devotion to you through the word and through the text. And may your Holy Spirit begins to uh, enlighten the eyes of our understanding that we come to the greater knowledge of who you are and that we'll become instruments in which you can use to bring salvation to those that you have ordained to eternal life. And we thank you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.